to be honest, Balsamo is a really good example of a, a rider that I think has done what I want to do. Um, she's a champion on the track and she's absolutely killing it on the road at the moment. And yeah. she seems super humble about it. And um, she seems fun and, and, and bubbly and, and uh, like a really good chick as well. So I definitely do look up to her. G'day legends and welcome back to the Press Room Podcast presented by Zwift, where fun is fast. We're back, episode eight this week, and this week's guest is the most requested guest that I have had since I started the podcast. So your questions have been answered. Maeve Plouffe is today's guest. Now, if you're not aware who Maeve is, which would be very unusual, Maeve is one of the most uh, talented and exciting riders that Australia has, both on the road and the track scene. Now, she's part of the Olympic uh, squad for Australia. She went to Tokyo, uh, which is just amazing. And then on the road, she is also a force. Now, we saw her at the Tour Down Under, or Cycling Festival, um, where she won stage two. Um, she's just been to uh, track nationals for Australia and she won the individual pursuit um, with a concussion as well, which we'll talk about. Um, and of course, she won the first edition of the women's only Melbourne Warnable, which is just huge. We love it. So plenty to talk about. And we really focus a lot in this episode about the track and, and, and racing and the tactics behind all that. So it's a really good episode, and hopefully you guys get to know more about Maeve and um, you know her sort of, I guess, view on racing, which is really exciting. But before we get into this awesome episode, I just want to say big shout out title sponsor Zwift. So good to have them supporting us. The Zwift Racing League kicked off yesterday. Last night for me and my team, we're in the Atlantic E Division. Nine to five is our team. You can uh, have a look. But what I really loved about the Zwift Racing League is, well, every day there's races on Zwift and it's so good. Any time of the day, you can get on and choose a race and choose your grade and race and compete against people of a similar ability level. And the Zwift Racing League is really cool. It's a little bit more organized. You know, there's leaderboards. It's an eight-week series. It's just so exciting. And for the first time since I started racing on Zwift, which is many years now, I actually felt kind of nervous at the start of the um, bike race. And, uh, you know, that's what I loved about it. It had an extra air feel to it. So uh, if you haven't already, get involved with the Zwift Racing League or the next time when the season starts because it's just something else. But anyway... Legends, it's time, episode eight, so you know what to do. Get on the ergo, start up Zwift, maybe you're on the commute, because it's time for episode eight, and I'll see you real soon. We'll just get stuck in. You've been one of my most requested guests, Maeve. Um, <laughs> which is cool. Um, everyone's always asked, when are you getting Maeve on, when are you getting Maeve on? I was like... I will get Maeve on eventually, yes. So, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's That's good for me to hear because I, especially because your podcast does focus more on the road cyclists, so it's cool that I'm getting a name on the road scene. That's really exciting for me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, 100%. Um, okay, so I guess you just had uh, track nationals just gone. Um, are you having like a like a break now or what's going on with your... You're right. Yeah. So it was a bit of a mixed bag for track nationals because it was really meant to be my first um, block of track racing 
leading into a really big block of road racing and then ending at Com Games. Mm. Um, so my idea was track nationals, track Oceanas, road Oceanas, then um, a World Cup on the track in Milton. Um, so I had a really good couple of individual events on the track, but um, I have been suffering a bit of a concussion. Um, so I got a concussion at oh, the Madison. Madison National Championships a few weeks ago. And um, I, I had to have a whole week off. It, it was a lot of time off. So I wasn't expecting to go super well in the IP or the team pursuit, but, you know, I got through it. Um, but I actually haven't done any bunch riding. Like I hadn't been on a group ride. I hadn't oh. done a, anything in a group. And I went into the points race at Nationals not really thinking a lot. And within like two or three laps, I didn't even know where I was. Like, wow. I think it was the lights and just like the the riders going past all the colors, everything. Oh, just sensory stuff. Yeah. yeah, something, all the sensory, it just triggered something in my brain. And suddenly I didn't, I didn't have a panic. A lot of people thought I was panicked and dizzy, but I was like, it was more dissociated and and I guess that's still scary. Um, so I made the decision. I pretty much, I did like two sprints and then I was like, oh God, this is not good. So I pulled out wow. and I had like a, a full like meltdown. Like I was like in literal tears. I was like, had no idea what happened. Um, and then that night I just got really bad headaches, wasn't able to sleep, saw the doctor the next day and he's like, yeah, you've got cushed, like you're wow. badly concussed. I'm really surprised you even got through the team pursuit or the individual pursuit because I like could I still couldn't remember like basic yeah, that's, that's um, hectic with the team pursuit yeah. as well like yeah. just think of how dialed you guys are yeah and I asked him I said uh like because for me the team pursuit it was like it is a state one so it was a little bit slower um so the team pursuit and the individual pursuit like the schedule was about the same so it was um for me um it just a little bit longer and I said like how was I able to get through that and he said well maybe it was a good thing because your your main trouble was like concentration and like that kind of focus is like you kind of just might have like zoned out and just kind of done it automatic now I think about it I don't recall much of either race, but uh, yeah so it but it has been a bit of a struggle because yeah since then like I've been getting really bad headaches and um, like I did like 20 minutes ride today and got a headache and I'm just like oh my goodness so I feel like I'm a little bit back to square one so I'm gonna to have to miss the Oceana road this weekend which I'm a bit bummed out about because uh, I was really training for that time trial um, mm. race this weekend that was what I was looking forward to so unfortunately I'm gonna to have to miss that but then hopefully it means I can do a, a good Europe block and and the other races kind of moving forward yeah it's it's interesting the concussion um, and it's it's effects on you and i've heard other story there's plenty of stories actually in all sports of concussion having delayed effects as well and when you had your initial crash at the madison i think i remember watching a live stream and like at the time like did you feel any anything in the next like the days afterwards apart from just a sore head or you did yeah yeah. I actually did have the immediate um, symptoms. Like I remember telling my teammate Alyssa, now I'm kind of laughing at it now, but at the time it was probably serious. I came off and they stopped the race and she came over to me. She's like, are you right or right? And I just remember thinking there was something in the race that um, like when, uh, who were the partners? Maybe it was Chloe and Alex that was it. The, mm. They were the other team that were kind of racing against them. They were kind of doing quite delayed, like they were taking a while with their changes. And I, I wanted to convey to Alyssa that she should attack and sprint when they're doing these changes because they were doing quite long, slow changes. 
and I was trying to tell her and I was like, Alyssa, do the change when the change sprint, the change. And Alyssa's looking oh, at me like, wow. what are you? And I was like, the sprinting is on the tactic. <laughs> and she was Holy like, shit. What are you doing? I, about? Yeah. I finished the race, but as soon as I got home, I realized I definitely should have shouldn't have got back on the bike. Um, because yeah, my I yeah was had headaches and things, and so we were off the bike for a week. But I was kind of itching to get back on, like I felt fine. Uh, I had a few days of symptoms, and then I was really okay. Whereas this time around, I've I haven't had any days yet with no symptoms at all. So I'm like, oh, this wow. time's a little bit worse. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And. I guess, I mean, like you said, the, the track, especially, you know, for a nationals or any track, really, they're, they're lit up like a Christmas tree, aren't they? It's like artificial light. Um, it's yeah. feel like the sound, the fans, like humid. Um, yeah, no, I guess not great conditions if, if the concussion is there. But um, do you feel like you're coming out the other side of it now? Like are they getting – is it subsiding? Um, not quite yet. I think – I'm probably just need a few more days, I reckon. Um, yeah. It, yeah, it's definitely, it's weird because I've never really had it before. Um, and I was a little bit worried because I was like, oh, you know, I'm not recovering as well. But I've had a few people reach out to me and um, share their experiences and oh, kind of say to me as well that like young women apparently are more susceptible to like the side effects and things. So mm. um, I guess there's probably a lot of factors all going through there. So mm. Yeah, just taking it day by day. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, if you need to turn the lights off, that's all right as well. <laughs> yeah. Just do the part, the part in the dark. It look, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, um, I've read an article about uh, the Nationals. Obviously, a bit of a mixed bag, but you still got the individual pursuit um, title. That's so good. Another national championship. Um, and I read that you talked about, or you, you mentioned the world record. You thought about it. And... I went checked what it was and I didn't realize Chloe Dygert had it. And I actually, I Chloe, Chloe Dygert's one of my favorite um, cyclists just because I don't know. I kind of like her attitude. Isn't she everyone's? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. I just like the way she goes about it. She doesn't really, you know, give a stuff what anyone thinks. She just goes and yeah. yeah. Beast I kind of like that. And yeah. I, the, the, the time isn't far off. Like that is totally gettable. 321. Yeah three was it 317 yeah so uh, my personal best at the moment is a 319.9 and that was done in in the Adelaide track at our state titles Mm. um so that was pretty much no prep just went out and ripped it and you know when I came over the line with that time I didn't even think it was I thought there was an issue with the scoreboard (laughs) I didn't think I'd done it yeah I was like Oh, because I was going for a 24 and I just was kind of riding up on schedule and I just, I didn't realize how quickly the time had compounded down. Like, you know, I was just riding a bit up every single lap and yeah. obviously that adds up to, to quite a fast time. Um, so, you know, then knowing that I was going to go to Brisbane, which is a lot faster track, yes, hotter, yeah. um, all those things, I was like, you know what, like, and we kind of did the math and the average watts over the three and a half minutes is probably it's only a it's less than 10 um and obviously average and like that's easier said than done i guess you can you can find 10 watts so you can get more arrow there's so (laughs) many other factors like there's so many things and um unfortunately brisbane just wasn't the day for me you know like having a week off 
got into the track and it oh, was yeah. freaking raining and cold and I was <laughs> like, no. But it's <laughs> so there. The better in Adelaide. The yeah. conditions were better in Adelaide that day. I was like, oh. oh. Um, so I just gave my best, which is a 21. But, you know, I actually was there when uh, Chloe broke that world record. I wow. Was, I was in the race. You I was. Racing. It was my first uh, ever world championships. And I, Top I think 10. I came like, I, yeah, I think came 10th, yeah. I did a 27, I think. Wow. Uh, which for me at the time was a really big deal. Like I was yeah. like, whoa, that was fast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but because back then, not many girls were breaking the 30. Now, every, a lot of people would like the, the wall is just broken. Like yeah. everyone's going under 30 now. Mm. Um, now the big thing is to go under 20. Um, and so I think we got four girls now who've broken it because Bryony, um, she broke the 20 as well. Uh, mm. Kudos to her like a, a few days ago. So that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess when I saw Chloe break that at the Berlin World Championships, I thought no one is going to touch that record. That is insane. Like I just yeah. thought that was unachievable because yeah. she was going so much faster than anyone else at the time. And I, I think she will go faster again. Um, I, I think potentially one of the German girls will too, but I think it's yeah going to be a bit of a race to who can get their hands on her first. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool though because that the record is for individual pursuit like it's really well like obviously obviously you've got the world championships for it but the record is like that's one of those big things because it's not the individual olympic event anymore which is ridiculous like that is one of those things that that's kind of the you know one of the pinnacles it's the epitome i think i think the individual pursuit is the epitome of like all the olympic values you know Um, so I think I think we need to do a petition to bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> Although as soon as we put it back in the Olympics, the times will we'll be doing sub tens. Like I oh. think the level of everyone yeah. will just want to get do it. But no, yeah. you're right, and I see it with the men's too. Like that record was such a big deal that Lambie went out and actually did all these controlled conditions just to get that yeah. record. Like that's yeah. a lot of effort going into mm. at the time. Um, I do understand also the the gist of like racing it too though so uh, it because going for a time and going for a placing in that race is two different things um mm. they're not the same because yeah if you're racing to win you you I, I guess you attack it a bit differently as well true yeah yeah that's true um i do remember reading about what maybe was doing wasn't he staying in a barn or something like yeah, like a barn. Yeah, I believe that was his training base. Yeah, I did like listen a... to a podcast on it. It was quite interesting, but he was training like a um endurance runner. Yeah, like a middle distance runner. Sorry. Yeah. Did, um, Super yeah, specific. Long... Yeah, he wasn't doing long kilometers at all, and I guess I I I thought that was a really cool idea. I actually tried training like that uh, a few months ago, and. Uh, after the Olympics, I wanted to go to the world champs for it. And unfortunately, I was cycling. We just couldn't get Australian athletes to world champs. So it never came about. Yeah. Uh, but I tried training like that for a little bit, just ergos, high intensity, and it didn't work for me. <laughs> I, yeah. I actually went slower. I, it didn't work. Um, wow. But that's okay. I think every athlete's different. So, Definitely. But it's really interesting seeing what people are doing to push the boundaries in that event. Yeah. That's, I mean, I, I remember reading an article or it might have been a podcast where they were talking about records on the track and the individual pursuit. And, you know, I can't remember what the time used to be for, for the, for the male individual pursuit that it was, was it under sub four or something or, you know, uh, yeah, that's kind like, of 
for the team's pursuit and the individual pursuit. Yeah. And like those times I'll just sit on that four ten or four, four, four on the flat for the, for the, for the team's pursuit, that sort of stuff. But like once it fell, it kind of, like you said, breaks the wall. And now yeah. is there even a number to look for? Just try and go as fast as you can. Maybe if you're aiming for a number, you can only go just under that number. But if you're aiming for the fastest time you could possibly ever do, maybe that number, I don't know, it gets lower. It's, yeah. Yeah, it, it is really interesting because I think sometimes it takes one person to do it and then everyone thinks, oh, maybe then I could do it. Yeah. Um, I think that's been a case with the 20 for the women's event, the 320, is that it took yeah. someone to break that 320 and then it it almost actually didn't take because I think Chloe Dygaard is considered such a, like a bit of a freak that when she broke it, people were like, oh that doesn't mean i can break it then when <laughs> yeah. um yeah. then when the german girl um the germans started to break it then it was like oh okay mm. and i guess when i broke it um i actually congratulated Bryony when she broke it because i was like oh my god that's incredible and she yeah. said oh i saw you break it and then it made me just try because oh, the individual wow. pursuit is such a paced event that if you go out for a 20, you're probably going to do a 20. Like, you, or if you go out for a 30, you'll do a 30. You're not just going to do a 20, you know? So yeah. um, it's such a pace event that you kind of do have to go for the time. And if you blow up, you will blow up hard. <laughs> mm, yeah. And that takes you to another point. You mentioned, you know, even despite you would like, you did the time you did for IP, still smashed it, um, got the title. And you know, you obviously can go faster. You have, but you said in this article, I was reading that you'd, you were really happy with the execution and of the individual pursuit. And I wondered what exactly you meant by that. Like what aspects of the IP were you, were you happy with, with that? Yeah. So there's kind of two ways that you can, well, there's three ways you can really ride an IP. You can kind of go out paced and then bring it home at the end. You can ride steady and, and go the whole way, or you can get super excited at the start and just blow. <laughs> I typically do the, the latter. <laughs> um, I go out and I'm like, I'm feeling so good. And then yeah. I see eight laps go and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> um, so, and I think especially when you are riding big gears, you know, when you want to go fast, we're kind of pushing the limit on these gears. Like we're riding big. And so if soon as you drop that pace on that gear and your cadence goes down, oh. you are bogged down and you're done. Um, so I was really happy with my execution in that I went out, I felt the pace. I thought, is this, am I happy with this pace? Because I, I had a schedule of, of, I think it was 16 O's, um, which I think goes to a low 19. I thought, am I happy with this pace? And I just kind of sat on the pace. And then when I slowly did start to bring it down, I just kind of brought it up a little bit again. And even though I didn't ride the time I wa wanted, I did ride like a 21. I didn't actually vary too much from my pace. I kind of just rode slightly too slow the whole way um. rather than riding. Whereas maybe in the past when I was a bit younger, I would have gone and ridden 17 pace, <laughs> ridden die got pace and then just crashed and yeah. potentially got a 25 or a 26. Mm. Um, so I think with age, I'm getting better at just going out and within the first three laps, I know what I'm going to be able to ride. So at this point, I think I was kind of just going around at 16 to 16 threes. Mm. Uh, I'd have to do the math again, but I think that's kind of what the average was rather than having really big variation. Cause that's where you lose the time is varying um, yeah. from your splits. Yeah. Yeah, I like I, that's interesting what you said earlier about the, the gearing and you know, you guys ride those massive gears, you've got to start it up as well. And yeah. um like do you have to 
Is there an art in using the track as well when you're trying to keep on top of that gear, like the bankings back onto the straights? Like, is there an art to it or is it just more about pushing? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think that there's definitely ways to ride different tracks, but for the individual pursuit, because it is a little bit slower, um, you're pretty much just trying to hug that black line. Um, in a team pursuit, we probably use the banking a bit more. So um, because yeah, okay. you do have the swings and yeah. you also have that, the four people in a line. So you can kind of flick, like it, well, it kind of flicks people up naturally. So if you're riding the black line the whole way around, your other three teammates are hating you because yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. getting flicked wide. So you kind of do cut in a little bit. Um, yeah. Whereas in the individual pursuit, on you can just ride the black line the whole way around. You don't mm. have to worry about people behind you. Mm. And quite frankly, also in the individual pursuit, you can't see, well, at the position I'm in right now, like you can't see anything. How far <laughs> ahead you, can you actually see in that position? Nothing. What are people saying? Like, how can you ride like that? And I'm just like, well, I don't need to see. Like, I, I don't need to see anything. I know what's coming up. Uh, yeah. I do have to kind of, put my head up sometimes to look at the scoreboard the lap board but I'm trying to get better at counting because I don't want to be doing that and I did that I think twice in the heat and I was like oh wow. um but yeah so I'm, that's probably the only time because yeah I can't see the the laps to go now either you count you count <laughs> wow yeah. is that what like well, is that the go counting yeah well in a team pursuit you can kind of pop your head up a little bit when you get back to last wheel and you mm. kind of know, like I would know, oh, I'm doing a three lap and a three lap or I'm doing a two and a two or something. So you kind of know how many laps you have to go um, and you can kind of look, but in an IP now, you've got your head down low so much that you can't really see. <laughs> oh, wow. That's hectic. Okay. Well, um, I guess I also wanted to touch, I mean, it was so interesting talking about that. I want to dive in it more, but I wondered how did you, come into cycling because you came in pretty late right you were part of the like a, a TID talent ID process yeah I was a talent, I was a talent ID athlete so pretty much in South Australia we have a really good program you know Nettie Edmondson's come through it um uh, Ron Dennis came through it I think yes. um lots of real good ones so uh they go to schools or you can just rock up like I did and um they do kind of physical testing so beep test mm. um high jump things like that um, and they put you into one of the, well, they don't put everyone in, but they'll pick like a handful of kids and put them into the categorized sports at Sassy office. So there'd be rowing and volleyball, cycling, kayak. I think volleyball. those are the options. Mm. Yeah. So I wanted to get into rowing. I thought I would make a good rower because I was, I was a swimmer, um, did open water swimming, the, the marathon yeah. swimming. Yeah. Um, so I really wanted to get into that, did the testing day and I got a letter for sprint, kayak and cycling. And spring kayak, I was like, oh, that's all right. Because I did a bit of surf lifesaving. So I had a lot of friends kind of already in that space. Yeah. Cycling, I was like, that's not a real sport. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I didn't even want to do it. I just was like, oh, like, what is that? So I just didn't really think anything of it. And then the come and try day came and I was like, oh, I may as well go. It was a Thursday afternoon at the velodrome. And I went and they put me on the track bike. And I yeah. realized that this was not my, like, little trek hybrid thing that i had at home this was yeah. a fast bike and yeah i i absolutely loved it I, I wasn't very good at it so i went through the rest of the testing and um that was more physical testing so they did vo2 max and and mm. things like that and because i was in the pool 11 12 times a week you know that was obviously very high so Definitely. i had no issue getting through it was more when 
they had us training three or four times a week you know I was still doing all my other sports um and they entered us into races like little national junior series and things like that like I was not winning (laughs) I was fit but I was doing all these other sports I'd never had a taper in my life I didn't know what rest was um I just trained twice a day every day from when I was like 10 or 11 years old Uh, my parents didn't know what was wrong with me and um I, I remember my dad saying like oh you know like do you really want to do cycling you're really good at swimming you know because I just come last in everything at NJTS oh wow yeah (laughs) um but I did love cycling and I I actually had a a bit of a shoulder injury um which forced me out of the pool for a few months so I actually had to keep cycling to keep fit and uh we had a triathlon coach come to my school at the time and he saw me swimming and he said oh can you can you run and I was like yeah I can run He's like, oh, can you ride a bike? And I was like, oh, all right. And he's like, okay, well, I want you to try in my triathlon team. I'll give you free coaching. I'll help you out um, if you race for us because we need more young girls. And he was great. He gave me free coaching. He pretty much introduced me to a training squad because at the time, you know, I was 13, 14. My parents aren't, they don't know anything about cycling. So they're not going to let me into the hills by myself or yeah. go on training rides. So it was through his team. His name's Steve um, O'Brien and it was his Fuse Multisport team. And they got me started and and having that like group of like, with he had a group of, of guys and they almost became like my brothers and they would like teach me how to go ride in the hills, you know, what bike to get, what, and just all the, those things that are kind of barriers to, yeah. especially to yes. girls starting in the sport. Yeah. Um, so I was really fortunate there that someone just saw that potential and, and guided me through because otherwise I don't think I would have stayed in it. Yeah, there's not, there's not, cycling doesn't have that, like it's just, it's not like a footy where you can just go and turn up, pay Rego, yeah. there's training here, there's all these people to show you how to do it versus cycling. Yeah, there's so many barriers, isn't there? And it's probably even more so for, for young women as well because there's not as many juniors in that level of the sport you know yeah. like you said you're and just it wasn't, training. yeah yeah and it wasn't um like because when you're a young girl coming through you, you can't really keep up with the junior development squad rides because they're all young boys and they're faster mm-hmm. and i remember i would get lot like left in the house <laughs> like i remember oh, i went on a couple no. and they wouldn't even wait for me so yeah, yeah so i did i did find it pretty hard actually um yeah. to stay involved in cycling i i found it tricky Mm. yeah what was when you first because we have a sim we do a similar talent id um thing here in perth actually i helped um set it up with crampo when he was back here um because he came he was the waste head coach for about a year and um him and i yeah that's right i knew when i first (laughs) met him because i used to work west cycle doing the junior stuff there and when i first met him i was like geez i'm gonna try and get as much out of cramp as I can because he's not staying yeah, here for long. Yeah, really you know. And anyway, that's um it's a similar thing. You know, we, we you start you talent ID them, you fight tooth and nail to get the kids off kayaking and rowing because <laughs> they want the kids as well, <laughs> similar profiles. And we put them on the track for the first time and then you know it's a I just wondered what gripped you when you first got on the track. What did you enjoy about those that first session? um it was it was definitely I love the speed um obviously that's yeah. that's a big hook for a lot yeah. of kids but I also just I guess because I never really understood anything about cycling I didn't really notice that it was an endurance sport and I love endurance sports I love timed events you know I was 
the kind of kid that did at little athletics and my favorite bit about little athletics was like I'd get a little um book and I could you'd get your personal best from a little sheet oh. each week and you paste them in the book cool. like I love it I, it was like my favorite thing I was like pasting my times in my book <laughs> it was like so weird I remember my parents like literally thought there was something wrong with me because I used to have one day off a week from swimming a week and I would go do like a 5k run and time myself and like I made a little spreadsheet on my wall and I write my times and oh like, cool like, like, <laughs> cool like, should we get a helper this is good um and so I think I just loved the that it was it was an endurance sport and and then I think I just kind of kept in touch with it um but then when I got older like into my early teens the thing I loved about it is that it gave me freedom. So, you know, when you're a 16 year old girl, you don't have a car, you don't, you can't go anywhere. You just, my whole daily routine was like, go to the beach to do my surf life, saving my patrols, go to school. Um, you know, you kind of exist within this little area, whereas I could go out in the hills, I could ride all the way to the other side of the town. I could go everywhere that I wanted to on my bike. And there was so much variety in the training, you know, like I could do an ergo, I could do road ride, I could go on the track. And so there was just so many more options. And I, I found that drew me more to cycling than sports like swimming, where it was the same routine every single day, same session. Cycling just had so many more options, so many more pathways. Um, and I could kind of tailor it to me a bit more with that freedom. Nice. I love that. That's cool. Um especially like as a young teenagers, sometimes it's also just about like, you know, being free away from your parents. Yeah. you got the bike and like I, I do this um, part of a, this academy we have here in WA. Uh, it's called the Junior Cycling Academy. It's like the preface to the Cycling Development Foundation with that multicolored kit. And we run a, well, I run a, a hills ride on every once a month, this academy, and I take kids out and they're like 13, well, actually, no, 11 to 15 years old. And no parents are allowed to come because it's about no, getting them, yeah. you know, out and about. We don't need parents. I've got it under control. We can just go out there and yeah. the kids can get a chance to be free and, and you know, like that you're saying, that yeah. same feeling I'm trying to instill. And that's a beauty of cycling. It is. Then it takes you places that you wouldn't be usually. You know, I would go out and do loops before school and uh, these were new roads that I'd never been on before and I wouldn't go mm. on unless I was riding. So that was, yeah, a massive, a massive part of my enjoyment of the sport. G'day legends, I hope you're enjoying this episode with Maeve so far. What an absolute legend. If you're liking this episode, please leave me a review, leave a comment in the actual episode card and um, you know it all helps the podcast, so really appreciate it. Uh, big shout out to Smith Optics. If you need some sick eyewear, Smith Optics have some really cool designs. Just have a look at Ben O'Connor. He is chopping up and he's wearing the coolest shades in the pillow. And seriously, Ben O'Connor, he's definitely going to be on the podcast at some point point hopefully i'll get him before the tour de france because make no mistake that man is going to be winning tour de france stages maybe another top 10 in gc and he's going to be doing it in the smith optics eyewear and i think he likes to wear the wildcats that's certainly my favorite pair but look out a couple of weeks time we're going to be doing some sick giveaways and you'll be able to wear the same glasses that benny wears uh, in the tour de france and who knows maybe that'll even make you as good but we'll get back to the podcast. Thanks for listening, Legends, and enjoy the rest of episode eight. Hey, so you're, um, I just saw the last few days that 
uh, ARA has taken a pretty decent squad to Europe. That is so exciting. Do you, um, what, what's the sort of like breakdown of that? How's it, how long are you staying and how many, what races are you doing? Yeah, it is so exciting. Um, <laughs> definitely looking forward to it because the last time I did a Europe block, it was 10 days because I broke my wrist within 10 days. Oh, no. So, of course, I'm home. <laughs> so touch wood. My last European vlog, yeah, um, touch wood. Yeah. Um, no, we we have a great squad going and ARA has been waiting to take a group over to Europe with all this COVID stuff. And mm. the fact that we have such a team, good team going is, is also really exciting. Um, we've kind of liaising with Cycling Australia. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to be like a group thing, or, but I think we got some of the track girls coming as well. Not oh. sure how integrated that'll be. But, um, yeah, I have a little bit of a different structure to the rest of the ARA team. Um, they're going to go over a little bit earlier, but... I do have a World Cup in Milton that I'm targeting. So I'll probably go over after that and then I'll stay a bit longer um, until Commonwealth Games. So I've got a little bit of a structure shift, but then with that main middle part, um, I'll be with them. But I think they've got some really good race starts by the sounds. Um, I don't know exact specifics (laughs) yet, but I think we do have some really good ones because, yeah, for some of us riders who are looking at a road career later, it is important to like get some big European race starts and get some results on the board. Um, and yeah, unfortunately the only way to do that is to go to Europe and race and race there. So um, yeah, it's, it's, I'm super grateful for the support that ARA give in that regard because yeah. I did, I remember before I signed with them straight out of school, I did try to arrange my own racing block in, in America. That was like, my goal was to do that, the, the crit scene. Oh, yeah. um and no team would even respond to me it was so expensive I couldn't like and I just remember looking at all the logistics and I just like couldn't even do it I was like adding up how many hours I'd need to work to support that and I, it just wasn't attainable so yeah. to have an NRS team you know who with staff that have done Europe before that know where we need to stay know how to contact race can get into it, all that it's yeah it's a huge opportunity so yeah I'm really mm. looking forward to that that's awesome. It's such a good squad. It's like eight male, eight female crew. I wondered, are you all staying in like a, or where do you stay? Do they have set up accommodation? Was like a castle? Yeah. <laughs> uh, last yeah, time don't. we were, it was, it was like a, a house. We had like an Airbnb type house thing and um, in the countryside and it was kind of a central location. I think we'll wow. be in Belgium again. Yeah. Um, but yeah all of you in have- one, one place. Yeah, we have. We had like eleven girls, I think, because it was a group. And then, and then we had our coach Rowan, and he was just hating his life. <laughs> I was just and, and Donna, no, Donna, oh, Donna was looking at us too. It's so, so funny. That's we had so like funny. eleven women. Just, oh dear! Wow. Um, but it is a lot of fun, especially because it is kind of more development riders. So we're yeah. all around the same age. We're all, you know, in that kind of eighteen to twenty-two. Yeah mark so it is a lot of fun it's good yeah. oh that's elite that's so cool um are you uh well, yeah okay with um the road stuff like do you think you'll do you have ambitions to do road ahead of track at some yeah. point yeah absolutely um i 
it wasn't really you know a lot of people said to me oh why didn't you join a road team this year and I was like well because I didn't have results until January <laughs> like I didn't have any results until this year I think I won the under 23 crit last year and I got like second in the TT one year but I, I hadn't had an op- opportunity to do a big roadblock and actually train for the road so now that I have some results on the road I'd like to go to Europe and solidify a few of those um, and yeah, absolutely. I'll be looking for, for teams for next year or the year after, um, depending on what sort of interest I have, I get. So, um, but yeah, it, it is a big ambition of mine. Obviously I would still like to ride track in the Paris Olympics. Um, so that's my next goal, but that is coming around really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> that's only two years away now. Um, and after Paris, I would definitely love a career on the road and mm. I would really like to be the kind of athlete kind of like as we were saying Chloe Dagger who does both um oh. you know who, who does that time trial on the road and mm. and goes on the track I, I'm just kind of I guess the thing I'm working out on the road right now is what kind of rider I'd like to be on a team yeah. um because I kind of always saw myself as a time trial rider and then I started learning how to sprint <laughs> so I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, that's exciting too I guess it's good to have good to have both, especially in women's racing as well. Like to be able to finish off a bike race is so important. And in the at least in the women's scene, I mean, there's there's not a huge amount of in the in the I'm thinking of the world tour that have a really good kick. It's kind of unique. Like and also the engine to get to the end of the race, you know? Yeah, I think like the thing about the bunch kick is that yeah, I guess like because the hill the uh, stages are so hilly, it's it's like hard for the the sprinters I guess like um our current world champ she obviously has an incredible kick she's very fast and that's why she's winning so much um but yeah I I definitely agree um it it is something that's hard to come by because it's almost the track I think does give you a really good um mm. background for that because you learn the tactics you learn how to lay off the wheel and you learn how to ride to the I guess win not the rider um that's definitely something I see a lot in the women's peloton is that they'll try just try and get on the wheel of whoever they think is the best and try and come around but sometimes that's actually the worst thing you could do is worry about the other people around you because if it's the best rider how are you going to come around you know um so um I think yeah it, it, the track has definitely taught a lot of the girls who I see who are winning bunch kicks, I think a lot of them come that track background and they've that's t- yeah. been taught through that. Yeah. Yeah. It, does it give you confidence watching like, you know, you, I guess um, other girls, similar age, same sort of trajectory as yourself, um, you know, like, uh, like Ruby, like, um, you know, uh, Georgia Baker, Manly, and all those girls go over to onto the world tour on the road and they have, well they're straight in there and they're at the front of the race like that must be pretty motivating for you yeah absolutely I would definitely be concerned if you know the kind of girls who are on the same level as me yeah. would then going and DNFing yeah um, but no it's it's definitely inspiring and it also gives those European teams confidence that if they're winning in Australia yeah. they can probably win over there yeah. um I think it helps all of us when those girls go over and do well I think the best example of that is Grace Brown um we saw her like this season I've watched a couple of her races and she was riding phenomenal she's um, insane yeah yeah exactly and look I'm looking forward to see seeing Sarah back on the bike as well um yeah because yeah she's an incredible rider yeah um so yeah those girls doing well is is definitely inspiring and 
um, and to see them fitting into teams nicely and, mm. and also having that dual crack, track career, you know, for Georgia and Alex as well. Yeah, um, that's really cool too. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just figure out how to charge my laptop. <laughs> oh, it's all right. Oh dear. One second. Okay. There we go. <laughs> I heard it. I heard the sound. Yeah. <laughs> we know it too well. That's, um, yeah, it's a good point about every Australian that performs well in the world tour now, especially in the women's um, side of the sport. Yeah, that does just, yeah, it does show and demonstrate how strong the field is here in those races and the results here, the Tour Down Unders, even the Santos Festival cycling results. They are legit. Um, and those, those Santos, Fest, Santos Festival cycling, um, those stages were hard because mm. they were so, you know, the climbing, net climbing was not too high, but I think it was just that they were packed within like, it was an 80k stage and all the climbers yeah. packed like 50k. yeah yeah. So, oh, yeah yeah so they were they were tricky i was a lot happier in warnable and they said oh there's a few climbs in the last 10k and i got to the last 10k and i was like oh that's it we're good yeah <laughs> was like, that was a sick win a that must have felt good to win the warning oh that was that's definitely my favorite win of the year i reckon oh, that cool. was yeah. yeah that was awesome i think <laughs> it was one of those ones where i could feel it about to you know I, I kind of because it was that reduced bunch when i as soon as i got in the split I, I was kind of looking around and i was like oh you know this is the odds are good here yeah. but then i was also in a split with the other i think there was there a group of five or six of us yeah i'm, yeah. I'm not sure exactly how many but they were the five to six best the women. best like it, was there. Every, yep. exactly they were all the best so i was like oh i have a chance but these are all the best girls. <laughs> mm. And then as we got closer and closer, I could kind of see, you know, everyone was swapping off well, but some people kind of started to stop swapping off or some people were going back to get food a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. I could kind of, and, you know, I think like uh, Nicole's obviously had a great season and she was super fit. And then I kind of, I think we saw like the 20K to go sign and I was like, oh, shit, only 20K to go. Yes. And she was like, <laughs> Oh my god, we have a whole twenty k to go. Oh, and I remember when I heard that. I was like, okay, yeah, no, nice. okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all yeah, right. yeah, all yeah. right. Um, uh, and so like you know, little cues like that, I was kind of picking up on. Georgie Howe was obviously super strong. I think she was feeling right. quite good. Um, and Matilda Rayner was obviously really, really strong as well. But you know, I just kind of did know where, what those riders, what their strengths were, and I knew that their strengths were going to be to attack in the last but kind of between 10K to go and 2K to go. So as soon as, you know, I think Matilda did make an attack around 10K to go and she made a, a really gutsy move. Like, I, I think it was really good that she did do that because, you know, that was her chance to win. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah kudos to her. Like, I respected that attack, but she made an attack and I was so expecting it because I was just like, you're ready to go. So I went with it straight away. Um, and then a couple of the other riders, I think Nicole was like, oh, like, we don't we can't be doing this cat and mouse now like we need to chop off longer and i was like <laughs> yes let's chop off longer because i knew like every kilometer like yeah. that we got close to this finish was better for me so i was like yeah. yes yeah. <laughs> oh. let's make it a sprint yeah bring it to a sprint that's <laughs> right yeah bring it to the yeah, line yeah so it was kind of one of those races where like every kilometer we got closer to the finish i was kind of like the, it was building i was like oh mm. i might have a chance i got a better chance 
oh now it's looking even better better so it was super exciting it was really really cool one to win that's awesome that race is just iconic even from here over in wa like i always tune in and watch i just think it's such a yeah. like the history of the race is so cool and now and also the first one it was the first one where it was it was women's only not combined yeah yeah that's yeah we've had a few girls do it i really respected the all the girls who did it in the past with the men yeah. as well i always wanted to do that um yeah. but with track it just it was like you can't train for 270ks if you're also trying to train for a team pursuit not not when you're <laughs> yeah um it, it's hard yeah. um but yeah the girls who did it in the past that was I always respected them so much for doing it but then to have a women's only race and then to have the top field at the end being you know um all the best riders yeah. it, like and having nicole who's the road champ in there and it's like women who are so respected in the field having all of them we had anya who's just won everything at under 23 nationals in there yeah. i just thought it was just such a good showcase it was just like yeah. here we go like georgie who's just followed to an NRS win the other day like you know mm-hmm. everyone was in there was um it was quite cool great for the sport it really was yeah um I'm, I'm interested in the way that um on the road that you sprint at least from watching I can only watch the um tv but uh it looks like you do most like your sprint is mostly seated I've been attacked on Twitter for this. Have you? Oh God, Twitter! <laughs> no, attacked, <laughs> no, everyone on Twitter is like, "Why doesn't you get out of seat? What is what is happening here?" It's very common to track riders, though. Oh, uh, it's so weird. I actually did get out of the seat in Warrnambool. I yeah. got out of the seat, but it was a hill, so maybe that's okay. why. Um, yeah, I just especially in those festival of cycling sprints, I was just sprinting in the seat for some reason, and I didn't even notice I did it until people we're bringing it up and I was seeing it online and I was really watching my friends and I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'm in the seat the whole time. Um, I think it's just that I was probably, I, yeah, I guess in a track sprint when I would get out of the seat might be, you know, with 250 to go yeah. um, and someone's attacking me. And then I would usually get in the seat, kind of keep them on the hip. And then when mm. I get into that final corner then I do my final acceleration in the seat that's when I'm like because I'm going around that bend and I'm yes, right I know I've got them on the hip and they're going to be going wider so that's when yeah, I would do my track. final acceleration in the seat mm. and I think that's just become a habit of the kind of that 100 meters to go in the seat let's go um so I guess I do usually unless I'm coming kind of like from the back and I oh sorry coming from the wheel and I don't need to um get out to do the acceleration I'd say usually the initial acceleration is out of the seat, but then it's pretty quickly back in, build, 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 and then the like final push is yeah. usually like in the seat. But yeah. yeah, and I guess it has been kind of good because I guess it like keeps in more error maybe. I don't, I don't know. But, yeah. Hey, um, it's, no, it's not bad or worse. It's just interesting. Yeah. Some people put out power in different positions, better or worse, you know, yeah. like in a, in a time trial, some people can put out more power in their TT position, like Rowan Dennis is one of them, um, versus their yeah, road position. Also there, yeah. I yeah. wish I was one of the people that put out way more in the TT position. I think most of most people don't put out quite as much. Well, no way. Um, yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah, most of the um, – but, yeah, the sprint is not more of an intentional power thing. I think it's more of like a, just an unconscious habit. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's, that's awesome. And that closing uh, – like you said, I guess being used to um, it's one of the reasons why people who ride the track a lot and successful on the track are always good on the road because, well, like the tactics side of things, but 
your sprints are usually a lot longer and lots more sustained. Um, and, yeah, yeah. And mm. I guess on the track as well, the positioning does play a part because if you are going wide, you're also going longer distance. Yeah. Um, and you only have like one side to overtake. Mm. Whereas on the road, you got both sides, I guess. Yeah. Like sometimes it's but you've got more options whereas on the track you've got less options of where to where to maneuver so i guess you've got to be a little bit more proactive with your um with your positioning do you watch like do you watch the women's racing like the world tour races and that sort of stuff yeah do you okay do you like like to watch the final sprints yes definitely mm. i wouldn't uh it's more I wouldn't say it's more like from a positioning perspective. It's not like I'm sitting there like taking heaps of notes, but I definitely feel like the the best way to do it is to actually race it um, because, yeah, you can kind of observe from the outside and be like, oh, they should have gone there or there or there. But then when you're actually in there making the decisions, it's completely different. Like you can't really prepare for that. Um, sometimes on the track, like eliminations and stuff, you can prepare by just watching. Yeah. Um, and observing what's the, the winners done but yeah definitely watching those and, and seeing how different people do attack those sprints that's that's that is also interesting for if you're going up against a certain competitor for like you know this person is going to be really good and so mm. watching their sprint style is, is interesting too mm, yeah it's true um i just wanted because just the way you're talking about positioning in the sprinting and when you start you're animated about yeah. it, it just makes me think that you quite like all this the tactics and the and the timings yeah, and that's yeah. what you can tell no yeah i, I do like it a lot and <laughs> i definitely i also and i also think it's a completely different ball game in world tour as well when you've got lead outs that changes oh, completely. yeah it's and almost you... like <laughs> your sprint is like 10 percent of it the lead outs everything it's really hard to beat a, a good lead out it's really definitely. hard especially if one of those lead outs is like eliza borghini like <laughs> for yeah. um for balsamo like that's insane oh, and then just ready against balsamo as well <laughs> yeah and then oh weebs is on your hip you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly uh, exactly do you have um I just broke my favorite pen. Uh, do you have, uh, do you look up to any riders in particular on the track or the road? Is anyone you sort of like idolize or have done in the honest, past? To be honest, Balsamo is a really good example of a, a rider that I think has done what I want to do. Um, she's a champion on the track and she's absolutely killing it on the road at the moment. And yeah. she seems super humble about it. And um she seems fun and 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 bubbly and and uh, like a really good chick as well so i definitely do look up to her um and i do look up to the pure time trial kind of riders i say pure but like i look up to Digart and gano as well a lot um who have come from that track and can just rip those massive turns at the end of a team pursuit like that to me is really admirable because that it does take a different kind of rider to be able to do that, especially in a team event where, you know, you're expected to do four laps to then go out and do six or seven at outstanding pace just kind of shows you're a different kind of person and you just, you know, expect more of yourself. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah and handle I think that's really cool. And, and I would put Katie Archibald in that um, kind of Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. She's really impressive. My mum my mom loves Katie Archibald. Yeah. She says she's her second favorite rider. Second. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, Katie, I think she, yeah, she um, hurt herself the other day, I think. And mom oh. sent me a text like, oh, no, like she's heard her, my second favorite rider has hurt herself. And because she has, oh. and 
who's like second only to you and you know Brandon's my third favorite my is <laughs> Katie, Katie comes second that's a good <laughs> so top no, three but you, you're yeah. right, Katie's, um, she's amazing. She's one of my favourite yeah. track riders for sure. Um, what did she um, What did she do? Uh, I think fractured vertebrae or something. Oh, shit. Back. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I, I didn't see how or, or anything like that, but I think she's having some time off. But, mm. yeah, not good. Did you? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure you didn't. You didn't race the... Um, UCI Champions League, did you? The first? No, she dominated that. that was well, she dominated, yeah. But I wondered, have you, um, would you like That's to? That's very new. Yeah, I mean, it does look pretty cool. Um, it's very new. I, I would be interested to see what the viewership of it was last year. Hmm. Um, I didn't actually look at the stats, but I do like the concept. I think it's cool that the it kind of reminds me of like the ISL and, and things like that in swimming that they're introducing, which has done obviously quite well for swimmers. And it's been really good for the athletes as well because they can increase their profiles um, in the pool outside of their like national yeah. institutions. Mm-hmm. I think it would be really cool if like maybe this Champions League, you could get like a personal sponsor and like, Oh, kind of everyone rides for like a different like sponsor i think that would be quite yeah. cool because that would be an opportunity for us to like really show off our sponsors and kind of almost um like auction off a bit and they yeah. get her on the helmet um i think that would be that would be quite a cool option as well or, or to like put artificial teams together i know that that's what the isl has done you know they made a couple of different teams and they've thrown together athletes from all different countries and then yeah you write yeah. your team which is sponsored by whatever um, the six so yeah i think it yeah it, it opens a lot of options um for us and i like that we are putting track cycling into like a more concise marketable package yes. because yeah. it is so good to watch oh it's i so know but yeah. there just isn't the the current uh i guess like format yeah. you know we've only got like three world cups this year it's not like world tour where everyone's kind of tuning in um mm-hmm. or like i kind of the probably the best examples like f1 or something where like yes. you know they you've got the everyone's got like time in their calendar when the next race is you know it's <laughs> that's tracks, like oh here's a random track race and yeah might, there might be a youtube stream and yeah it's going to be cut off halfway through you know it's it's such a good event to watch but yeah. we, we probably don't have a, a like a body that's just like putting it on the tv in a nice format that's yeah, gonna yeah. consume so i like that we're, we're trying to do that um i'm interested to see how, where that goes yeah definitely well anyone that's like um watched any of the six days and stuff that's how if the listeners haven't seen the uci champions league which was going late last year i think into early this year it is really marketed like the six days and their YouTube yeah. channel is terrific. It's, I mean, they haven't got yeah. like amazing views for the, the videos, but it's just new and you can go back and watch. And some of the races that Katie Archibald wins or Corbin strong had some really good results there. Like it is. Yeah. It's all about the show and they show that they only do the best, like most exciting events, the eliminations, the points races. It's, yeah. it's kind of like the 2020 of, 
like 2020 cricket you know yeah so, yeah exactly and i yeah. think like that's the way it needs to be to move on yeah. into future like we can still have world cups and world champs obviously but yeah. i do like the idea of you know now i'm dating brandon obviously he i'm, I'm kind of getting exposed to action sports and it's interesting because they they're part of the uci but yeah. they have x games and yeah. and it's opposite them because they held, had all that before and then uci came in but mm. they have all their world cups and um the fees and stuff but then they have like these different set of tours that are all sponsor kind of based tours and that's mm. where they earn their income from but yeah that's, yeah you know, what brings the fans in so um and yeah. that's a way for them to travel and connect and all those kind of things so yeah mm. it's just different ways of approaching it yeah definitely well i think it's super it just made me think then of just women's cycling in general and i'm thinking about the road here actually um that viewership has gone up heaps like i saw the stats for in um flanders for tour of flanders that just went by um the tv viewership was well and truly higher than the men's um which is insane like by 200,000. there's just always been this thing that like people won't watch women's sport because it's boring or whatever but I kind of think it's more interesting in road because it's shorter. Yeah, so all the sprints have more weight. The climbs have more weight. Um, like, I don't really want to watch a five-hour race. Like, I want to watch <laughs> four or three. Like, but some of those men's stages that are like six or seven, I'm just like, no. Um, yeah. Anyway, but I think people do want to watch it. And a lot of the women coming through have really good profiles, which is another really good thing is that when you watch a, a race, you – like we love to just like have a rider and like feel like we kind of know them yeah yes. <laughs> like, oh yeah i know what they're and a lot of the women have done a really good job like making their kind of like profile and like yeah. we kind of we follow them on social media or or through interviews and stuff and we know we feel like we know them and i think they've done that really well and that does help bring their viewership in because people are watching and they they know the riders or they feel like they know the riders mm. um so i think yeah that's credit to the organizers for putting it on tv but then it's also um, a lot of credit to the women and themselves who are doing really really good job, jobs of marketing themselves that's 100 percent. and you know it's actually and the list is out there the um when i'm going around trying to ask guests of to come on the podcast and stuff the women are actually the hardest to get at least in the world tour because they're already their teams and themselves like you said are already doing such a good job at their sort of own media stuff so like often the you know they've oh we've got so much stuff on already versus the men's teams yeah. is it's a lot easier to get a hold of or it's because they're still trying to build all their profiles for their teams and that sort of stuff but the women are already nailing it um and yeah because i think in the women's sport you do have to do it younger because it's like if you want to pay for your travel or (laughs) you have to get get them reeled in and you kind of have to have those agencies and and things like that set up so um yeah i think a lot of them are doing that and are building follower bases and things whereas yeah i guess it's sometimes in the men's they they just kind of know that fan base will come like as a package with with being world tour yeah whereas there are some women on the world tour who still don't have profiles it's not like a given so they have Mm. to work really hard at getting Mm. it the ones who have worked really hard then they shoot up really really high yeah yeah that's awesome it's so interesting i i I love the women's cycling it's just there's so many cool storylines now with all the different riders and watching the aussies do so good like like ruby stepping into those first couple of belgian races she did she was up the front there already like while summer like it's like 
whoa, she was just at the Tour Down Under, you know, racing against um, yourself and all those other girls, Alyssa and those choppers. And then she goes to Europe and she's there. And you're like, wow, these girls are good. Um, yes, yes. So cool. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, Maeve, this is getting close to the end. I've got so much more stuff. But question, let me just find it. Um, I want to know what, if you could just choose something, anything, track or road, an event to win next year, let's say some really exciting things happen next year, which I'm sure they will, um, what event would you love to win? You could just go, yes, I'll choose that one, and you win. So in, in the next 12 months, okay, because I would typically pick Team Pursuit Olympic gold. <laughs> That's <laughs> the one that I want. Wow, um, okay. But if we're, if we're talking the next... 12 months um i well can i can i say world record in that individual pursuit yeah definitely that's but that's yeah that would be the one definitely wow Um, uh it's funny because i said i'm not gonna do that much individual pursuing i'm sick of everyone thinking i'm just a pursuiter i want to be a bunch racer i want to do road and bunch racing and then I like sniff the world record and I'm like, oh, I'm going back. <laughs> I want to do Everybody that. knows you more than the IP. You won the warning. <laughs> we all know. I don't think uh, that yeah. is like that anymore. It's just funny because, yeah, I kind of see like people who are pursuiters get put in this little pursuiting box. Like they just yeah. do time trials and pursuits. And I'm like, I want to sprint. I want to do everything. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but uh, no, I would say, I, I don't know if I'll get that in, in the next year, but if I was going to pick something that would mean the most to me, I think that would mean the most to me because mm. to me, that that's a pure power. That's a pure strength event. That's not like, oh, there was no one there on the day or, oh, this was this. That's like, you've done that a time. That is far. Like that's, yeah, yeah just pure power. Yeah, 100%. Cool. Yeah. Well, Maeve, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, The Press Room, presented by Zwift. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. That was fun. legends that's another episode of the press room podcast done and dusted i really hope you enjoyed this episode with mave Um, what an absolute legend it was really nice to get to know her and you know when we were talking about sprinting and tactics and and uh track racing and stuff in the video when i was you know obviously do it via video i could really see that mave has a great eye for the tactics and the positioning of um, the sprint in a bike race. So she's certainly really astute to that. And that's why I asked that question of her, does she like to watch the bike races? Because I could tell uh, that she really dives into the tactics and stuff. So um, really interesting episode. And if you liked it, please leave a comment um, in the in the Instagram card and share it on your Instagram as well. And I'll share it too. And we can all have a big party about it. So um, yeah. But again, thanks to our supporters of the Press Room Podcast, Zwift, of course. Get that trial. Give it a crack. Add me on Zwift. Um, and Smith Optics, Eyewear. Oh, can't beat it. We're going to be back soon. Huge episodes in the cards. Roubaix is coming up, and you know I've got something in the cards for that epic race. All right, legends. I'll see you again soon.